did my science degree actually hurt me in business? Well, yeah. Let me explain. Welcome to Pivot Me, where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. Hey there, how are you doing today? I am so pumped that the weather has finally turned here in Reno, Nevada. So as you know, we had the snow apocalypse for a long time, just feet and feet and feet of snow to the point that our ski resorts were closed. My kids ski program, they couldn't go to a few weekends because there is too much snow. And you know, it's a lot of snow when there's too much to ski because the lifts were covered. So this is going to be a great summer because we kind of have that like pent up energy of like, I need to get outside. I was snowed in. So everyone's kind of come in with that feel, me included. I cannot wait um, to get some paddle boarding in. Because there's so much snow in the mountains, it's going to be a little bit of a late season for that because all the snow has to melt. There's still a ton of snow and the rivers are flowing quick. As you know, I'm a big outdoors enthusiast. So my summer adventures are usually marked by all the outdoor activities that are had. We have a... um. In our family, I do like an adventure list. And so we've got the 2023 adventure list, 23 adventures to have in 2023. And um, and some of them are big and some of them are little, but it's just what I find is almost everybody, yeah, especially people with kids, somewhere around like the first week of August, there the the narrative is always, and the second I say it, you're gonna go, oh my gosh, it's so true. Where did the summer go? Oh my gosh, we had so many summer plans and we didn't do any of them. I mean, this is the rally call of parents, particularly every summer, every summer. Like we started off with hopes and dreams and plans and oh, so much cool activities planned. And we finished the summer going, where did it all go? Like what happened? And I don't want that. I plan against it because really the solution to that problem is planning. The solution to it is saying, I need to bring intention to my summer. And so this isn't me judging other parents, just to be clear, like parenting is hard and I ain't here to throw shame on any parents. But for me, I bring intention to it. And I want to share that with you because maybe you need to bring some intention to it. So whether you're a parent or not, kids at home, kids that have grown, I encourage you to have 23 adventures to have in 2023 list. Big, little, all of them. So, and I I craft this list, but I also ask the kids like, all right, like we actually all jump in, the family all jumps in. And I say, what what kind of adventures do you want to have? Like my our 10-year-old wants to go to the state museum because they they did a field trip there and um 
and she wants to be our guide for the same museum, which I'm I'm all I'm here for it. So that is now on our list. One of our adventures is going to the state museum so she can show us around the mining sections. Um, and it's everything from like a certain water park that we wanted to go to. Um, the girls have not seen the Redwoods. I want to take them to the Redwoods. So it can be a road trip. It can be, hey, there, there's this new, you know, ice cream shop in south of town. And we want to make sure that we see that. Bring intention so that when you get to the end of your summer, you're like, that's actually how I thought it would go. You're not going to hit all of them. Probably not. But then you look at it and and the time didn't slip by. Like the time is life's money. We've got to be so careful where we're spending our time. So right now we are in full swing in the 23 Adventures for 2023. I'm excited that it's warm. I'm excited that we can do all our outdoor activities again. But we need to talk about some things. We need to talk about not just the adventures. But I may have mentioned to you that I realized recently how my science degree actually hurt me in business. Now, there's some ways that it helped me for sure, and we'll talk about that, but it has become abundantly clear as I stop and look behind me in my entrepreneur journey, I see how it really, it slowed some things down for me. And I want to share them with you because you might be doing the same thing. Hey, Pivoter, I see you taking notes. I see you applying things into your business and life. Great work. But what if you could do it on a Zoom call with me? Well, here is your invite. I am hosting a free live event on Zoom where I get to know you, your challenges, and help you work through them as we accelerate your growth together. This is a free virtual event, and I'd love for you to join. Hop over to pivot-me.com backslash event and save your spot now. We'll keep these small. They will fill up. I'd love for you to be there. Again, it's pivot-me.com backslash event. We'll also put the link in the show notes and I'll see you there. So let's just start with the basics. Have you ever heard the phrase in business that if you are not embarrassed by your first product, your first iteration, your first website launch, if you're not embarrassed by it, as you look back, you waited too long to release it. That kind of stings a little bit. I remember the first time I heard that and I was like, oh gosh, because the truth was I wasn't embarrassed wasn't embarrassed by my first company's website years ago. I wasn't embarrassed by the first product iteration. I wasn't embarrassed by our first case studies or our first consulting package or any of those things. Like all those things done years ago, I wasn't embarrassed, which it sounds like that's a point of pride. But the truth is in the business world, that means I waited too long. I waited too long to launch. I waited too long to be visible. I waited too long to, to charge consulting prices. I waited too long. So let's talk about why we do this. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's because we, you know, we wait too long because we want things to be perfect. Sometimes it's because we have a tendency for that. But I'm going to argue that it was a bit of my science background that really slowed down my progress in entrepreneurism. I unwittingly applied the scientific method to every aspect of my business. That sounds good, but no. The entrepreneur world is a lot more like gunslinging. It's sort of like, well, we're going to throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. Yes, there is strategy. Yes, you have to have a plan and all the sorts of things. But there is a little bit of, you know, alchemy that happens. And I wasn't allowing for that alchemy. 
I was seeking accuracy and precision, the things that you have in in the science world, striving for perfection without even realizing it, but applying kind of the science overlay to it. Like, oh, you know, this this approach makes a lot of sense. There's there's a process to follow, a method that can lead to repeatable results. And in some ways, this did serve me, but it also lengthened my road to success. So, So first, let's talk about the way that maybe it helped me. So I studied at uh, University of Nevada, Reno. That's my alma mater. I studied primarily biology. My degrees in biology, a lot of chemistry. I think I was one class away. You don't have to have a minor when you study in the, um, at least at UNR, when you get a degree in what they call the hard sciences, you don't have to have a minor. But typically I'm going to say chemistry is my minor because, you know, I did a lot of chemistry. Also a lot of physics. Here we are. And math. I didn't I didn't expect that, but here we were. Like that was what I studied, which was great. I wanted to be an epidemiologist. I love how numbers and you know, virology and parasitology all came together. Little did I know it'd be so applicable just a few years ago, but I studied infectious diseases a lot. I loved this science method. It just made so much sense. Putting things into categories, understanding the correlation. I loved, I loved my degree. So let's let's talk about, let's start there. Let's start about where it may have helped me in business. So first I possessed this insatiable curiosity about how things worked, about how people work. I always sought to understand like what makes things tick and what makes people tick. What drives them? What do what do they mean? What are they saying? What are they not saying? But I need to be picking up on because it's relevant to this opportunity or situation or challenge. So this insatiable curiosity was was a huge piece, and definitely studying science helped with that. I would say I also approached new ventures with a very like open mind, ready to absorb massive amounts of information and work hard to understand what I didn't know and what 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 pieces I still needed to research and understand. So that I was that can serve you. I would say number three is, you know, my analytical nature sort of enabled me to identify patterns. I'm going to go back to connecting dots and processes that maybe, you know, I could see a smattering of data and I was like, oh, I can see the pattern there. And science definitely pushed that. That that's an important piece. Like, okay, these seem like all these random data points. How do they come together? Next is I had a unique ability to see similarities and then build sort of a framework off of that, which sounds cool, right? Sort of helpful, right? Well, kind of. This analytical and dare I say perfectionist approach also had this downsides. In business, my desire for things to be right and great and fit into a framework held me back. It slowed down the process. I didn't use the word perfect. I didn't use the word perfectionist because I was well aware of the negative connotations associated with the word perfection in business. So I refrained from using that word explicitly. I knew the word perfect was a no-fly zone in the entrepreneur space, so I didn't use it. I swapped it for things like high performance and greatness, leaving it all on the mat. Like I used phrases that really came back to like, I wanted things to be perfect, but that delays the release. That means that my websites didn't launch as fast as they should have, that my consulting packages didn't go out as quick as they they should have, their proposals didn't go out. Like I, my, when I was developing a new product, I spent too much time in product development because I wanted it to be so, so freaking good beyond question how much value it brought. It sounds good, but it takes too long. In fact, to this day, 
I struggle. This is not like a like a humble brag, guys. I struggle with over-delivery. I massively struggle with this. I want, it's like, well, I know the encyclopedia of information that could apply and help. And my integrator all the time has to remind me of this concept. What's the MVP, April? What's the minimum viable product? And she has to talk me off the ledge of trying to provide encyclopedia amounts of information. As my podcast manager is hearing this right now, he's probably laughing because he's told me the same thing in this, in this very podcast. He says, I know you want to provide an encyclopedia of information, April, but that's too much. Like you've got to just boil it down to a few points, which is why I'm like, here's your three points. When I started this podcast, if you go back to the original podcast, I would be like, here's your 12 points. Ain't nobody want to hear 12 points on a podcast, April, but I tried to make them just the same. Now you'll find maybe like three points, five at the max. This was a shift for me. So let's have an honest conversation about how me starting in the sciences, me starting as, you know, having the thought process of a scientist, how this hurt me. First, I found myself obsessing over every detail of my copywriting. So I'm a writer myself. I've been a writer since I was a kid. Um, I started journaling when I was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old. I mean, I've, and I've saved them all. I'm looking at stacks of journals right now. I have scribbles from Queen April to Teenage. Those, those are some some dark novels, let me tell you. Um, I've always written. I've always journaled. I've always fancied myself a writer. I write some good emails, my friend. And what does that mean? That means it takes me way too long if I am writing. If I'm editing someone else, I have copywriters. I have people that that write you know, stuff for the website or, 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 or different marketing material. And what do they know? The second I see it, I'm going to edit the snot out of it. This is not a skill set because that is not the highest and best use of my time. I am meticulous in crafting each sentence to perfection. While attention to detail is essential, I often sacrificed speed and efficiency in the pursuit of linguistic excellence. I was a word ninja. I wanted it to sound great. But this was not the best use of my time. And all that means is I've wasted time. Second, I strive for a seamless process in every aspect of the business. Like I was like, there's a framework to this. Customer experience was my top priority. I believe that every interaction should be flawless, but we are humans. It's not how it works. This meant investing significant time and effort in a streamlining processes and ironing out every potential flaw in business. Guys, this is how I started. This is how I started as a business owner years ago. As a result, sometimes I missed out on opportunities. No, 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 that's not even fair. I can't say sometimes, all the time, frequently, I missed out on great opportunities to iterate, to grow, because I was not responding fast enough. I was responding slow because I wanted it to be great. And we talk about greatness. <laughs> I will tell you though, I've transitioned away from the word greatness. I, I talk about high performance, yes, but I think you've heard me many times talk about sometimes we're killing it and sometimes it's just an absolute mess. I've moved away from greatness because greatness, I think it sets the wrong standard, my friend. If we're really struggling for greatness, we're going to do a lot. We're going to produce a lot less information, content, books, speaking. We're going to work with a lot less clients. I mean, this is not a podcast about mediocrity, obviously. But guys, sometimes good enough's got to be good enough. I missed out on opportunities because I did not iterate quick enough. 
markets change and I wanted to analyze them and prepare for them and do this, do this, do this. But you know what? What I really needed was action. And and I got there. I got there. I don't want you to make the same mistake I met. You know, lastly, I, you know, I had this, uh, one of my first sales managers when I was a loan officer years ago, his name is Todd. And he emphasized the importance of projecting an image of success at all times. Now, at the time, I was probably like 24. And, um, you know, I was outside of my depth in, like, I'd never been to a networking event. I don't know how old I was when I, no, no, I went to a networking event when I was younger because I don't think I was actually old enough to drink at that point. But the point that I had Todd as a sales manager, apparently I don't know how old I was. Maybe Todd's listening right now. How you doing, Todd? He was my first real sales manager. And uh, I drove this beat up pickup truck. Have I told you this story? I probably should tell you this story. So so when I was a loan officer, I was, I was a very young loan officer at the time. And um, I had drove this beat up pickup truck in fact, the heater only worked if you, it had like a light switch. The wiring was hanging down from the bottom of the dash. It's just like all these wires hanging down. And it, he had attached this light switch to it, like a, like a straight up light switch. So if you wanted to run the heater, you had to get into the truck and flip on the light switch and then you could run the heater. And so one of my first meetings at Wells Fargo was in this glass building downtown, this really nice building. And I would always park my car around the backside so people didn't see the car that I drove. And uh, which I didn't care, but I knew that they cared, especially when you're in sales like that, that stuff really matters. So one of the first meetings I went back, I'm on on a tangent, but stick with me. This this story's worth it. So I I was like, all right, I I got this. I'm going to park around the back. Nobody's going to see my beat up pickup truck with the light switch heater and the wiring hanging down and the only... Uh, I didn't tell you this part either. The driver door sticks a lot, right? So I was like, that's fine. I'll park around back. So I park around back, go into this meeting and I go to get out and I'm wearing this like fitted dress with a suit jacket. I'm wearing my, you know, sensible block shoes and my dress. And I go to get out of my beat up pickup truck and the door is, <laughs> the driver door is stuck. It's like, shit. So I like grab my little briefcase and I start sliding over. Like I slide across the bench of the pickup truck and I'm trying to get out the passenger seat. But of course I'm wearing a dress with these semi high heel kind of shoes. And so I'm I'm like unlocking it and I'm pushing the, the door open with my feet. So I kind of kick open the passenger side door and I shimmy out and then I pull my dress down. I look around, make sure nobody sees. And I'm like, all right. I'm good. I'm good. Now I can be a professional. So I like, you know how you kind of like smooth out your clothes and you're like, okay. Manage my mindset. Here I go. Grab my briefcase, shut it. And I go walk it in there like I own the place. And it is only when I walk into the meeting room, I'd never been in that building before. I walk into the meeting room and I come in with a room full of people, all significantly older than me, all significantly more successful than me. Only then do I realize that the meeting room is towards the back of the building and it's all windows. The entire meeting room is all windows. And what do the windows face? I think you know. They face my beat up pickup truck. Like there it is in full frontal view. Like you see it all. There's nothing left to mystery. Which is why when I walk in, everybody looks at me and they kind of giggle. And they had all seen me get out of the pickup truck. And a couple of people said, you gotta have to get that door fixed. And I laugh it off. But um, that was, uh, yeah, that was, you know, now I, now hindsight's twenty twenty. like 
big freaking deal. But at the time, that was a big, big deal. I already had the deck stacked against me in a lot of ways. Oftentimes, I was the youngest person in the room. Oftentimes, I was the only female in the room. So in some ways, you know, I, I had the deck stacked against me. I, I hate to say it, but it's it's a fact. I had to prove that I was good enough to be in that room. And definitely having to kick my way out of my pickup truck did not help. So my sales manager kind of pulled me aside and he said, April, we've got to project an image of success at all times. Like it's not just about what you can do in the room. You've got to project that at all times. And and I took it, I, I took it seriously. Like it was sound advice. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm new at this and I don't exactly know what I'm doing. So I I listened to him. I felt immense pressure to present myself as an expert in every aspect of my business in my 20s, fearing that any sign of, of you know, imperfection would undermine my credibility. This self-imposed pressure stifled my willingness to take risks and experiment with new ideas. So needing to project an image of success, combined with the fact that I had studied sciences, that that was my degree was in, that I thought that there was a right and wrong way to approach these things, and this slowed me down a lot. Even though I stayed away from using the word perfect. Like I wanted the things to be right. I wanted them to follow a framework. I, I knew to stay away from the word perfect. But though I didn't use that word, I didn't put that label on it. The results were the same. They were slow, slower than they needed to be. And I made the process for me harder than it needed to be. And I don't want you to make the same mistake. It's supposed to be messy. Yes, frameworks are important. Yes, I still look for the correlation and the data points. But I go ahead with half as much information as I'd like to have. That is what entrepreneurism often is. You're like, well, I wish I had more money for this. I wish I had more data for this. I wish I had more team for this. These are all things that we feel as business owners. But at the time when I first got into business, I didn't realize that. I kept trying to apply science and, and, and you know, Know, data and, okay, we need the whole picture before we can make a conclusion. But that is not how business works. It took me a while to recognize the effects this kind of, you know, perfectionist mindset had on my business. I had to learn business is, it's an iterative process. We cannot strive for perfection. Oh, no. We're not going to help nearly enough people. And frankly, we're not going to make nearly as much money if we are trying to make it perfect. And really, when we say perfect, when we say, well, we just want it to be so, so good, is it that we just want to serve our clients so well? Or is it that our ego's on the line? Is it a worthiness issue? Is it that, well, if it's not irrefutably excellent, then someone might find me out? We've got to embrace this agile and adaptable approach. We release, we test, we pivot, we release. Again, it is supposed to be iterative. And that is how we get more growth, more success. So my fellow entrepreneur and business enthusiasts, let's reflect on our own experiences. Maybe you weren't trained as a scientist. Maybe you didn't slide out of your pickup truck and then get told by your sales manager that you needed to project an image of success at all times, whether it was degrees, academic background, previous jobs, I want to make sure that you are not constantly striving for perfection at the expense of progress. That is the slow path to success, and I am here to speed up your path to success. But I do need to tell you in closing, I did sell the pickup truck. (laughs) 
which is hard to sell a pickup truck when you're like, oh, it's in so-so condition. The driver's door doesn't always open and there's this weird light switch thing. I did sell the pickup truck and I literally went from that pickup truck to a brand new BMW. I wanted to project that image of success. Come to find out the BMW didn't really fit my lifestyle at the time because I was a snowboarder and that's just a whole nother story. But ultimately, we've got to be clear about the things that we've been told and the things that maybe served us in one season of our life but don't serve them again. Please do not let perfectionism or the desire for the product to be so good that you will never have a hater. Do not fear those things. You want to produce awesome stuff, but it is iterative. Get the first one out and then make it better. If your first iteration is not a little cringy, you've waited too long to release it. Make it a great day. Thanks. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.